Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Hi, Christchurch London. Hope you're doing really well. An exciting uh, day for us today, the beginning of two weeks of our annual gift day. And I want to spend a few minutes uh, helping shape our thoughts today around what I think God is doing amongst us at this point in time. If you like, it sets a context Uh, for our giving and I trust it will be a really helpful one for all of us. Uh, The passage that we've just had read to us is a passage if you like of in between two key moments. It's after the resurrection there is an empty tomb but it's before the giving of the Spirit and of Pentecost and it's this passage between the two as Jesus appears to the disciples over six weeks and then returns to heaven and then they are left in Jerusalem. And in a way, it's a similar experience to that which we have now. We too are between times. Uh, lockdown has ended uh, for many of us now. We're, uh, we've enjoyed some of the freedoms that come with Uh, what we tend to call normal life, but the restrictions are not over. They're still present. 
And so we're caught in between times as well. And I want to look at how the disciples felt at this point in time, what they were longing for and what they actually did. And I think this will be really helpful to us because there are real parallels for us uh, today. Uh, I think with how we're feeling, with the longings that we have and with what I think uh, God might be asking us to do at this point in time. So let's just think a little bit about the disciples' uh, feelings. How did they feel as they returned from uh, the Mount of Olives where Jesus had gone back to the Father to Jerusalem? Luke's Gospel tells us that they had joy in their worship, but I don't think that was the only emotion they were experiencing at the time. I think they were pretty aware of their insecurities and their weaknesses. Uh, Which of us Uh, would not say that over the last 12 months of COVID, we've become more aware of our own vulnerabilities. As life has been difficult, it's felt like we've been squeezed and we've become aware of our shortcomings. And of course, for the disciples, having had three years with Jesus, uh, that showed their shortcomings too, uh, in so many ways. Uh, It was in fact only six weeks from this passage uh, that Peter was denying Jesus. Uh, If we had time, we could tell all sorts of stories of the disciples as impulsive, as fearful, as ambitious, as competitive, as slow to understand and sometimes just downright unbelieving. Here is this group of men and women who suddenly find themselves without Jesus and aware of their own weaknesses at a challenging time. Uh, Not only that, but they were clearly confused. They didn't really understand what was going on, despite Jesus having taught them for six weeks on the realities of the kingdom. The question that we see uh, early on in this passage reveals their lack of understanding. They say, essentially, is this the moment? If you're giving us the Holy Spirit to throw off the Roman yoke, is this a moment for, for national destiny? Jesus must have hung his head and thought, when will they understand? But I think it's a confusing time for us as well. We've heard stories early on in that first lockdown of more people Googling prayer, many people coming on Alpha courses. But now I think many of us are saying, well, what is God doing? Uh, How should we be responding? Uh, How is life changing? There's lots of talk, but what does God think? It can be a time where we're aware of our weakness. It can be a time where we're aware of a sense of confusion uh, and also a sense of stress. The experts say that the most stressful experiences are when we cannot control the outcome of something. Well, who knows that we can't control the outcome of this pandemic. And so often we've had to change our plans over the last 12 months and we've had to do things differently and learn to be adaptable, but it has been very stressful for us. And for the disciples right now, it was stressful too. For the first time for three years, Jesus is not there. He said, wait, I'll sort it all out. But they can do nothing. And so too for them, they would be experiencing that sense of insecurity, a sense of what is happening. We still don't quite get it. This, what is it that Jesus was saying? And then a sense of stress as well. And with that, there would have been a sense of overwhelm. 
We've all had a sense of overwhelm at times as life has been so different and not knowing how to react to it. And I would suggest that we particularly felt that overwhelm here in the heart of the city where life can be particularly challenging. I think it would have been exactly the same for the disciples. They are not natural city people. They're from Galilee. They find themselves in Jerusalem. If you've ever been to Jerusalem today, you know it's pretty much like it was 2,000 years ago. Lots of narrow streets, hot, claustrophobic. At the time, it would have been very smelly as well. Uh, we're told that at this point, as we read this passage, that Jerusalem is full of people who are visiting from every nation under heaven. So they would have been jostling, they would have been shoulder to shoulder on the streets, the disciples wouldn't have been able to get anywhere quickly. They, their very accent said that they were outsiders. Why did Jesus say to them, stay in Jerusalem? I think he said it because otherwise they would have left immediately and headed for home. And so these were men and women who were not finding life easy. They were aware of their weaknesses. They were confused about exactly what was meant to be happening. They had this sense of overwhelm. They were struggling in their city. Uh, can anyone relate out there? Because that has been something of our struggle and our real sense of pain as well. But as we will see, it was out of that pain that God began to work. There would have been another element, of course, to their pain, and that was their longing. The disciples were longing for something more. The disciples are in Jerusalem. Jesus is not there. They're thinking, have I wasted the last three years of my life? Is this going to work out? And yet they carried these longings. What must they have thought as they lay in bed at night? Their mind must have gone back to Jesus' teaching on the kingdom, the visual workshop of three years with him. And I wonder whether they remembered particular times and thought of that, what if that were to happen in Jerusalem now? It was the time Jesus is approached by a leper. A leper cannot go into the temple. A leper is excluded from God's presence. So when that leper says, if you are willing, you can make me clean, he's not only asking for physical healing, he's saying, I want to be close to God. Would you clean me? We're told Jesus, filled with compassion, stretches out his hand and says, I will. And that leper is clean in a moment. And I think as the disciples thought about what could happen, they thought there are thousands of people in Jerusalem who would draw near to God if only they could and if only they knew they were able. And so they would, have, they would have thought of that. There were other dimensions to that moment with the leper as well. A leper, a leper uh, was not just excluded from God, but was excluded from community. They had to live out on the edge of town. They had to ring a bell if anyone came close to them, shout, unclean, unclean, stay away. So Jesus said, be clean. He was also saying, come into community. You have access to people. You don't need to be an outsider anymore. 
course, also the leper was experiencing physical healing. Instead of losing his hands and his feet in due course from his sickness, he was totally recovered. This was changing his whole life. And the disciples must have thought, what would it be like in this city if the kingdom were to come? Despite all my weakness, all my confusion, all my pain, what would it be like? Many who were far away from God could come close. They could find community. They would no longer feel like outsiders. They could have their whole lives changed. And that, of course, is part of our dream for this city. That the kingdom that Jesus spoke about would come. That many would find healing, relationship, community. It's one of the reasons today that we're contributing to STEPS. It's one of the ways that God has given us as a church to extend healing. Not typically physical healing with STEPS, but emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual healing. It may lead to physical healing as well at times. But it's all of a package we find in the Gospels. So imagine the disciples. They're longing for his kingdom. Are there any other memories that might particularly have come to mind? I want to suggest that there's two others. One of them is a crowd of 5,000 people listening to Jesus way out from the city. They've been so totally taken up with everything that Jesus has been saying that they've forgotten about the normal things of life. No one's been asking, when's it lunch and who's got the food? They've just been enwrapped by this man and the wisdom and authority which was flowing from him. Many of us are familiar with the story. This boy, he's got lunch. His mother gave him his lunch, five loaves, two fishes, and he gives it to Jesus. And in the hands of Jesus, this small lunch, enough for a young boy, ends up feeding 5,000 people. And teachers have not always known what to do with this passage. They wanted to spiritualise it, to say, well, this is the way that the word of God feeds our hearts, which of course it does. But there's much more to it than that, because literally the gospel is about feeding hungry people. We see it throughout the book of Acts that nobody was in need, that those that had shared with those that had not time and time and time again, it was the coming of the kingdom that the disciples hoped for, even if they didn't know whether it was going to work out at this point in time. It's why we want to contribute to Food Bank right now. It's one way, our way, of being able to express our commitment, not just to people's spirits, as critical and essential as they are, but saying our bodies matter too, and that you cannot love someone's spirit without loving their whole person, and therefore we want to feed those who are struggling uh, with food poverty at this point in time. And I think that final image, as the disciples long in all their insecurities for the kingdom to come, that final image would have been the storm on Galilee. Galilee, the lake they were so familiar with and knew that right out in the centre of, uh, of the lake, in this storm, they could literally die. Their lives were threatened and it's Jesus who once woken stands up in the boat and speaks and says, be still to the weather. And everything calms down. 
And the disciples say, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And it's a reminder as the disciples think in Jerusalem, they think, what could God do? And we find as the gospel goes out, it actually it changes economic systems, it changes businesses, it changes leaders, it changes governmental figures. We find that God cares for everything. And so the disciples must decide, think, what could happen in Jerusalem? It was Abraham Kuyper, the Dutch prime minister and Christian, who famously said, he said, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. And it was at that moment, as Jesus took command of the elements, that the disciples thinking back must think, what on earth might God do right now? Despite the struggles and the difficulties of these last 12 months, I know that many of us carry a longing for the kingdom to be present in this city. And as I walk into the central service most Sundays and I walk down Whitehall and I walk past West End Theatres and I walk past those who are sleeping in the doorways of shop fronts and I see those who are sweeping our streets and keeping things clean, I think the kingdom is for every one of these places and these people. And the kingdom should be shaping and affecting each and every one. And so as we come to give today, I carry pain in my heart. It's been a difficult year. The disciples too would have carried pain. But I also carry a sense of longing that this kingdom this man Jesus who we've read about, who seems to change everything, might do so again in our time, in our place and in our city. And so we find it's in this context that God takes the disciples' pain and he uses it to get his work done. It's because of the disciples' pain that drives them first to cling to God at this point in time. When you are out of your depth, when you've invested three years of your life, you've left your jobs and you're now on the cliff edge, then you cling to God. And we're told that these disciples came and they devoted themselves to prayer. They prayed. And prayer is the most amazing thing. Because so often when we pray, God starts not by answering our prayers externally, but by shaping our hearts. And I think he did that with the disciples. I think as they prayed, they heard those words of Jesus again, wait in Jerusalem, and then you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And as they prayed, they must have started to prepare and think, we're here, but maybe God will take us to other nations as well. They gave their hearts afresh to God. Uh, and I'm confident and I'm sure that God is asking us to pray right now. And that as we pray, we're to allow God to speak into our hearts. We spoke last week about giving our hearts to God afresh at this point of our special gift day. I want to encourage you to do that again. But I want to encourage us all to pray. We have a, a week of prayer coming up this next week as we join in with the Archbishop's uh, uh, preparation for Pentecost 
uh, the following Sunday. Uh, join us if you possibly can, Tuesday at 8 p.m. And we're going to meet as a church together to pray and to call on God that in this time, between times, uh, between the restrictions lifting somewhat and the restrictions living, leaving fully, that he would do his work. And we're going to have resources available all week during this week of prayer. There'll be other opportunities, many opportunities in the coming months for us to join together and to pray. I want to encourage you to do that. Seems that as the disciples were aware of their need, they ran to God. It's always the best thing to do. If you are aware of your need today, go to God and pray. They clung to God. And the other thing that interestingly they did was they clung to one another. When you're in a big city and there's lots of people around, you look for those who share your heart. You look for those who think the same as you. And time and time again, just in the first few chapters of Acts, we're told that they're together. In chapter one, we're told that they join together constantly in prayer. In chapter two, verse one, the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Later in the chapter, they devoted themselves to fellowship, to, to being together. Same verse, a little later, all the believers were together, Acts 2.42. Later, every day, they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. All the believers were one in heart and mind. And there seemed to be two dynamics to this. They would come into the centre, to Solomon's colonnade in the temple in Jerusalem. They would meet all together there and they met increasingly in their homes in different parts of the city. It's how we've actually modelled Christchurch London, that we can gather together, now not just in the centre, but different locations across the city, but also in our homes. And of course, church is not church as God intended it unless we can be together, unless we can cry together and hug together and worship together. And I want to encourage you as you are ready, as you, and we respect your judgment, you will know the right time. But I want to encourage all of us not to settle for online church. Online has been amazing. I wouldn't get to talk to you right now if it wasn't for online. But it's also just there in the interim. And it's sort of more convenient in some ways and we don't have to travel. But I want to encourage you to be together, to look for opportunities whenever you can. If you're not in a connect group, find a group of men and women, Christchurchers, who you can connect with and build community with. If you've fallen out of the habit of coming on a Sunday, but you know that there's now not a health risk for you, I want to exhort you and encourage you, join us. Let's be together. There is something special. Uh, if, you, uh, if you've done it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've done it recently. There's something very special about being together. And so out of the disciples' sense of pain, out of their longing, it was like that God drove them to him and to one another. And there's one other thing that happened, which was that they stayed in the city. But why was it? Uh, that God wanted them to stay in the city and Jesus instructed them uh, in that sort of way. Well, I want to remind you that the city seems to have a particular sense of purpose in God's plans, that God gets things done in cities that then affect not only the whole city, but often the whole nation or even nations. 
We see it here in just these first couple of chapters of the book of Acts. We see that there's people here from every nation under heaven. When Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2 to those 3,000 responders, they're not all locals. They're from the whole of the known world. And so they come to faith in Jerusalem and then they go back and they take the gospel back. Within weeks of Pentecost, the gospel is in scores of nations. And people are gossiping it and other people will be coming to faith in moments or in a matter of weeks. Because there were Christians at the heart of the city, nations were touched that would have taken years to have done in any other way. And it's for that reason, I think, that God calls many of us to stay. He doesn't call all of us. And some have moved recently and they've moved with clear consciences and even with the sense that God has taken them on to the next chapter. That's great. God bless them. But for many of us, we know God is asking us to stay. One of the most exciting things in recent weeks that I have heard is I've spoken to Christchurch after Christchurch who's staying. And for many, they've actually bought their first property here recently. And just as we're looking to invest in property for the church, we want to say, we love this city, we'll invest in its bricks and mortar. So I know numbers of you have done that personally, and I'm confident that God will bless you in that, and that God will bless this city as a result of having people, uh, followers of Jesus, uh, at its heart and in its different communities. And then, of course, God does what only he can do. He pours out his spirit as we'll celebrate at Pentecost uh, next Sunday. Uh, and I, I, I want to encourage us to continue to pray that God would do a similar thing amongst us. Many of us have had those amazing experiences of God's sweet presence. I remember some years ago now that uh, myself and Ed, my son, uh, decided that we would take a trip to Teze, which is a, a well-known Catholic charismatic community in the middle of the Burgundian hills in central France, most beautiful uh, environment. And people come from all over the world to this community. And we arrived late one afternoon. We put up our tent. We had some of the very, very simple food uh, that they provide. And then we went to explore and we stumbled across the chapel shortly after one of their services had ended. And as we went in, we were immediately struck by this extraordinary sense of the presence of God. Most people had left. Some were lingering. They were sitting or they were standing. What was interesting was that as we went into the chapel, we, without talking to one another, just separated and went and stood in different parts of the room. And if I remember rightly, we stood like that maybe for 15 or 20 minutes. I remember thinking, now I understand why people come from all over the world. If you get to experience the presence of God like this. And it's my prayer that there would be thousands of households across the city that would experience a visitation of God's presence like that. That we, in each of our services, would experience a visitation of the presence of God like this. These things happen. When the people of God are not strong, they can be aware of their weaknesses. They have a longing for God's presence, for the kingdom. And they cling to God in prayer and they cling to one another in community. And that as they do those things, so God often pours out his spirit. I want to suggest that's a 
great way of viewing where we're at as a church community right now. Aware of our pain, our longing, and our trust in God that as we cling to one another and we cling to him so that he would pour out his spirit and that as we look to give today and we give our hearts first to God, we give as an expression, we give to to our property fund as an expression of our commitment to this city. We give to food bank as a declaration that God cares particularly for those in need and we give to steps knowing that the gospel has this extraordinary life transformative power to bring healing and change in all our lives. God bless you as you give today. God bless you in your own sense of pain, in your own sense of longing. May you cling to God, cling to others and may we know God's presence visit us and his glory known in this city. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to christchurchlondon.org.